0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Anyway, get your Bibles open, will we? I want to talk today about there's more to this grace than you know. And um, it's a very simple story. I've I've spoken on it many times. The point this morning is I want you to, to consider that whenever you encountered the grace of God and you encountered the love of God, as we've said this morning, like God does an incredible work in you, doesn't he? Jesus, he... Like we, we can stand here this morning and believe for wholeness, not just, I love that, that thought, Kyle, not just healing, but wholeness. We can believe that our best days are in front of us. Somebody say amen. Yeah, oh, I'm not so sure, Pastor. Uh, it, we, you know, like the grace of God when you encounter Jesus and his grace changes everything. You know, no, no empty religion, no empty systems, no empty ways of doing things. And that's uh, why Paul says in Romans one i I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed of the grace of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God, number one, for, for salvation for everyone who believes. I love that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Romans one sixteen. I do have it. There we go. Um, for it's the power of God. It's the, 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 the dunamis in Greek. It's the, it's, the outward, it's the actual life of God in you. Right? For salvation, which is not just get saved and into the meeting, but this grace is the power of God in you to experience wholeness and health and provision and protection and safety and hope and all of the things that we talk about. And that's why Paul, when he writes this stuff, says, I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of this gospel. It's good news. In fact, it's not just that it's good news, it's the ultimate news. And you know, to, to, for God to rescue and save and deliver us—that is the message that God has given us in this church. And you know, I think what's interesting is that we've got to—we've got to set the time. We've got to set. We've got to be really aware of what God is doing in these days. Do, do you hear that? Because God is—God is moving in the earth. God is at work in the earth. God is—you know—connecting churches and communities and more and more people encountering this message of God's grace not empty religion but of grace and we can't be embarrassed about that in the slightest at all you know it's it's funny in our journey even when we've been looking for a building I I I encountered you know great people but you just realize that at, at one level we're like talking chalk and cheese do you know what I mean where, like, if I said, this is not the case, but, you know, we would love to work with you, but you're just not enough like us. And I was going, thank God. And I remember, But you know what I mean? I'm going, that's a system. It's like at our heart, we're followers of Jesus. And we've all encountered this common grace, right, that comes through Jesus and he's changed us. And that, uh, that, that needs to be our place to start. And we can't be embarrassed upon that. I, I, I didn't want to change or chop or change or pretend to be something that we're not in order to get something. Do you know that? Uh, because Paul, as he says, I'm not ashamed of the grace of, of Jesus because there is, that is the gospel. Grace is the gospel. There is no other gospel. And so I want to read you a story today and I want you to think because you know, if, I, if I said to you, who wants to be more like Jesus today? Who would come? Who would, like if you didn't put your hand up, you're probably, I'm just going to say you're in the wrong gig, right? All right, if you're sitting going, let me just think about that one. Nah, all right. but do you know what I mean? But it's an easy one, isn't it? It's a preacher's dream. Who wants to be more like Jesus today? Let me see those hands. right? And everyone puts their hands up. Well, let, before, we're going to look at this story where Jesus first encounters people who follow him, uh, found in Luke chapter five. And what we're going to do is, it's, we want to see how the Lord operates because this is before he gets going and he sets his heart very clearly for us. Because... Um, it's a message that goes, the grace that you have received, there's way more to it than what you first might think. Okay, so let's, let's look in Luke chapter five, if you want to read with me. Um, yeah, so one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will. I'll let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and began to follow him. I want to say this morning, grace lifts your head up to see something different than what you're currently living right now. The work of grace in your life is never finished. Jesus is never done making away way with you because the call of grace upon grace from glory to glory on your life means that every day you can live with the hope and the expectation that there is a better day in front of you, that there is more to the Lord than you have ever seen, experienced, or ever imagined, that he's able to do exceedingly more than you can ever think. Those are not just nice, twee words. They are the promise of the Scripture for you this morning. And what, when you encounter grace, the worst thing that we can do is we can dumb down grace to make it just about us and our own comfort, right? And go, I've received enough grace, just enough to do me, and this will be fine till I get through to heaven. Grace doesn't give us that option. The gospel doesn't give us that option. And actually what we do is we just don't short sell Jesus it's not just that we short sell ourselves we short sell Jesus in that respect you know there's way more for you than you can ever ever think of right now do you believe that do you believe that tomorrow and the days to come will be better than the days that have just gone past do you believe that the the promise that god spoke over your life if you've never seen it yet will happen That when he said, I will be your healer, that you would walk in wholeness. When he said you'd be free from anxiety, that you would live in peace. When he says on you and your children and your children's children, every part of your family will be called blessed, will be favored. The world will look on and see you seated at the king's table. And even though people plot and scheme against you, you will walk through as an overcomer, Romans 5 style, reigning basilio like a king because that's what he says. Somebody say amen. And there's a, there's a sadness for me at times whenever I see people who first receive the message of God's grace and they kind of just stop. It's almost like we feel a relief, don't we? I know for like if you've been in religion for years or tired for years or up to your neck and whatever for years, it's like the, the message of God's unmerited favor and grace on your life can feel like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I just want to sit here and rest and never leave it. And I get that. And you would never leave grace, right? But what it doesn't mean is that you should, your life and your, because your life and your experience should look the same just year after year after year, because it's from grace to grace you're called. and glory to glory you're called. And actually what I think is, the more grace you receive, the more favor in your life, the more you begin to reflect Jesus. Does that make sense? like, oh, I just want to be like Jesus. You know, I remember all that. You know, make me more like you. All those, that wasn't the song. I was making that one up. But they kind of sounded like that to me in my past. You know, just make me more like Jesus. And then we if you actually think about that. You go, nah, you're all right. Because when, a bit, yeah, that, that, are you sure you want to be more like Jesus? That's what it's really about. Well, actually in this story, what you see is that the Lord goes, you know what? See where you are today. It's brilliant, but I've got so much more for you. But you've got, your lift, you've got to lift your head up and see what I am doing. Because if you keep your head down, you're going to miss it. Does that make sense? So let's start to, let's start to get into it. There's a, a call and a purpose for your life that you'll never, ever be found outside of God's grace. And I want to say to you this morning, you can trust God, all right? We've got to do some hard work over these next few months as God starts, not God starts to move us, we are moving. Do you get that? It's not like, are we moving? We are moving in a number of weeks from now. And what it really, what I'm excited about as I've thought about it has been the fact that, that God planted this church and, and put something of, of the unmerited favor of, of that, that unmerited favor of God, that message in our hearts years and years ago. And we have stood and we have battled and contended and gone through ups and, ups and downs and rounds and rounds and everything else. Okay? And, I, I feel like this next season is going to be one of the, probably the most exciting seasons for grace in Belfast. But it doesn't look anything like what I thought it did. Like nothing. Like, because I'm not that bright. Not clearly. And, um, and the picture that I had in my head, God went, yeah, listen, thanks for your input, but I might just do it my own way. All right. But at the heart of it, you see, at the heart of it is the grace of Jesus and what God wants to do with that. A guy called Robert Capon said this. He said, what role have I got left for religion? You know our city has had its full, it's full of religion, hasn't it? Yeah? yeah? yeah. Absolutely stuffed to the gills with religion. Just sick and tired of it. Anybody? Yeah. Oh God. Robert Capon said this. He was an American um, Episcopalian priest, he said, what role have I left for religion? None. And I've left none because the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ leaves none. Listen to this. Christianity is not a religion. It is the announcement of the end of religion. Religion consists of all the things, believing, behaving, worshiping, and sacrificing the human race has ever thought it had to do to get right with God. Everything religion tried and failed to do has been perfectly done once and for all by Jesus in his death and resurrection. For Christians, therefore, the entire religion shop has been closed, boarded up, and forgotten. The church is not in the religion business. It has never been, and it never will be. In spite of all the ecclesiastical turkeys through 2,000 years who have acted as if religion was their stock trade, The church instead is the gospel proclaiming business. It is not here to bring the world the bad news that God will think kindly about us only after we have gone through certain creedal, liturgical and ethical wickets. It is here to bring the world the good news that while you're a sinner, Christ died for you. It is here in short for no religious purpose at all, only to announce the gospel of grace. Isn't that lovely? And this is what this is all about. I want you to lift your head up, because this is about God, you know, transforming ordinary things into something incredible. And I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about the people that we're going to be encountering as we move church. Let's have a look at this story, because there's something in it. You see, before Jesus turns their world around, Jesus is in, is encountering the men here, on which the church is going to be built. Okay, we know Simon becomes Peter and he's a bit of a rocket, has his ups and downs, all the rest of it. But essentially on this, I'm gonna build a church here and he ends up doing these incredible works. But where did that start though? You see, it starts in this, in this encounter. Where did, where did grace so change a life? So in, change a man and a group of men? What was it that made them give their whole lives as Paul described for something that they weren't ashamed of? What was it? I believe there's, there's lots of things, but there's something in, in this one, in this encounter that started the whole process. Because Jesus turns their world around when he, when he does something incredible. So let's look at the scene. Jesus is busy right now as we enter into, into Luke chapter 5. He's teaching a group of people and the fishermen are not a part of it. Now, these fishermen are busy at work, so they're not sitting in the meeting listening to the word. All right? They're, they're busy trying to make ends meet. They're busy trying to get through life. Now, they, these guys are professional, experienced men. The work, as I've explained many times before, of fishing in the Middle East was hard and dirty and demanding. It wasn't like sitting on the edge of a boat, you know, going, pass me another beer, you know, and, oh, look, there's one there, right? I mean, it's dirty, dangerous work. You know, many years ago, I had a wee notion of being a fisherman, amongst many other things. <laughs> Have you ever watched a, a thing called The Deadliest Catch? Oh, flipping brilliant. Then I realized I can't swim or anything, so I'd be absolutely useless. And I don't like the cold, and I don't really like fish. So uh, once I thought it through, I thought, maybe not for me, right? But, but every day, if you haven't watched it, it's flipping brilliant. Deadliest catch. I don't know what it's on, but it's good. But every day, th- these, these guys were doing physical demanding work. Their hands would have been hard and calloused, cut right through. They weren't weak men. There's nothing weak about these fellas. You know, if you had a come across them, you probably would have thought, flip, right? They would have been physically strong, steely and determined because that was the only way that they could get things done. Now, they've had a really frustrating day. Does anyone know what it's like to have a frustrating day? Yeah? yeah? yeah. El gato, el gato, come out. <laughs> Until you've had all your family learning Portuguese, you don't know frustration, <laughs> right? the cat in the newspaper. <laughs> but but these, these guys have been slogging hard. They've been working hard and they have nothing to show for it. This is a picture of religion. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's stepping in and showing actually this gospel of grace that I've called you to. It's a picture that takes you out of the everyday slog and sets you into something different. Because the picture here is you know, many of us rely on everything else other than the grace of God in our lives. Oh, we'll say that we depend on God's grace, but it's only when we've run out of all of our other options. And we add grace in at the end, don't we? And so the picture here straight away is of grace stepping into a world of religion that produces no results, no matter how experienced educated, tough, physical, or any other word you want to put in there. There was nothing actually to the natural eye that would have disqualified these men from being extremely successful in what they did, but there was no success. And so Jesus steps in. He steps into their world, right? They're probably another day of it that's been, I don't know, mundane. I feel like life can be mundane, Yeah. They were hungry. They were probably stinking, right? I don't know, working with fish all day, you probably smell like Captain Birdseye, you know what I mean? <laughs> Annoyed. And then here's this here's this preacher to the side. Right? And it's funny, I mean, the the picture's really obvious here. Many believers live like that. Even after they've encountered God. God's to the side. And they're at their work all day, but they still feel hungry, tired, frustrated, and they're not getting their breakthrough. Does that make sense? It's a picture of religion. It's why we're not ashamed of the gospel of grace. Let me keep going. It's, what, what happens next is really simple. Whenever grace comes, grace doesn't say, you come here. What grace does is it steps into the boat. Do you get that? Grace goes. Grace doesn't say, sit, I'll sit still and you come to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his son and he sent his son. And what we see here in this beautiful picture of grace is that in a tired, frustrated, mundane world, it's not that people, there's inherently anything wrong in the sense of like, these guys weren't doing anything particularly bad. They were just in the middle of it. And grace comes, and grace doesn't say, hey, you come this way. Grace steps into the boat. Grace goes to where they're at. This is what Jesus does. This is grace himself coming and saying, this grace, the religious system will keep you to the side and will keep you away, but grace is gonna go right to where you are. I'm gonna step into your world. I'm gonna plant myself there, okay? I'm gonna not look at you from afar, But Jesus is proactive and grace is proactive. And wherever you are today, grace takes the initiative and says, if you're there, then that's where I will be. You'll never escape my presence. I'll never have you on the side. I'll never have you far away. Because no matter where you find yourself, grace will go there. No matter how dark it gets or how far away you get, you will never be outside the grip of his grace. Because it doesn't matter where your boat is moored today. It doesn't matter how far you are from the shore. When grace comes, he goes to you. Isn't that amazing? Oh, no, you clean yourself up and come to the Lord and, you know, you do this, that, and the other, and, and then, no, 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 right? While you were still a sinner, he came. Isn't that an amazing message, okay? No matter where you are, he comes. His heart, his attention, his desire is always right where you are. It's interesting because, like, as well, these fishermen weren't part of the crowd, you get that? I love this. I, we have been excluded from the religious crowd in Belfast for years. Can I say that honestly? Am I allowed to say that? Tough I've just said it, Penny's face, oh so Lord's a picture. It's funny, for many years ago, I remember having a conversation with another pastor and he said, look, Andrew, here's the bottom line. This grace stuff, you need to wise up. <laughs> Tell me about that. He says, well, we'll invite you in, right? if you say you're sorry, and just dial down this whole grace thing. I was like, let me think about that. Nah, you're all right. It's not mad. Now, it's not, it's, I'm not criticizing that person, but it was a mindset to go, what religion does is it excludes and it puts people at the sides. And what happens here is as grace goes, look, you know, I, I can't give up this grace, right? Because I look at these fishermen and they too were on the edge. They were not part of the crowd, okay? They're just going about their business. And what happens is, whenever you feel like you're not part of the crowd, whenever you feel like you don't belong, whenever you feel like religion says that you should be something else, do you know where Jesus goes, right? Jesus is speaking to the crowd, but he goes to them. You're never on your own. Do you get that? You might feel like you're on your own. You might feel like there's situations right now where you go, I'm on the edge. I'm not part, I'm not included. I'll never be in, right? I feel different from them. And the Lord says, it doesn't matter. See, wherever you find yourself, I'll always go to you. Do you get that? Don't you worry about the crowd because I'm gonna go to you. And it might, may seem like madness to you. It might make no sense at all. But Jesus sees where you are. He sees your relationships, your family members. He sees where they are. And he steps right into the middle of it. He searches you out and he goes, wherever you're going to be, I am going to be there with you. But what the really interesting thing about this story is, he goes, but there's, I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to call you from grace to grace, right? Right? Let's think about this. These guys were experienced fishermen. They're not amateurs. They know their business and they know what they're about. Simon's reaction, Simon Peter's reaction to me is really interesting because when I read this story, you know you read the Bible and you think it's all, oh yes, Lord. And they're all like really compliant and stuff. I really think, well, it it makes sense to me. I'll tell you why. Because, Peter turns out to be, like I said, a bit of a rocket, you know, cutting off people's ears and, you know, saying, I'll be with you, Lord, forever. Five minutes later, denying, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like high energy, high passion, high investment at the start, then going, oh, Flip, I made a mess of that, didn't I? Right? So I think he was a bit mouthy. I think he wasn't afraid to say his bit. I frankly think he had an attitude at times, which is partly what made him really good. Because here's, uh, here's you know, Peter, Right? Like Jesus comes along, Peter, the experienced fisherman, Peter, the guy who knows his stuff, call him Simon rather, and he knows all this stuff. And here's the preacher that comes along, this guy of grace and starts to speak into his world. And frankly, I think Peter's just like, you know what? You want us to let down the nets? I dead on, right? Who are you to tell us what needs to happen here? Because we know what we're doing. We know what we're about. And see you, you frankly, you don't have a clue. Away back in, I don't know, preach a sermon somewhere. You get that sense from, from Simon Peter, but in it, there's something that's really interesting, right? Even though Peter is tired and he's frustrated and he's angry and he's hungry, it doesn't stop him. Even though he probably has lots of questions, that's what I'm gonna say. Undoubtedly, when we start to talk about where we're moving to, some of you are gonna have questions, but you know what Peter does? Even in his own stuff coming up, he doesn't allow it to stop him hearing what Jesus is saying. Do you get that? Because Jesus is the one who is leading. And what happens here is this current situation doesn't deter him. Many of us do that. We simply look at where we are right now, what it's all about, what we're doing and what grace is doing for us and all this kind of stuff. And then the Lord comes in and goes, you know what? I have something more for you, grace upon grace. I know you're frustrated. I'm gonna ask you to do something which may not make sense to you. And to your natural mind, you may go, oh, hold on a wee second. But you know what Peter says? There are six words that he says which are absolutely killer. Because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. And we know what happens here. Whenever you say in the middle of being tired and mundane and everything else, and you hear the Lord speak, and despite the fact that we might go, what, really? okay? We're not part of this crowd. We're not part. But the Lord is bringing grace right to us, right? And bringing it like wherever we are, wherever we're going to be, grace is going to be there. And the Lord's saying, here's what I am going to speak into your situation. Put your nets down. What he's saying is trust me. Putting nets down simply means this. Will you trust that even though you might not see it, understand it, feel it or whatever, that whenever I speak, it's for one purpose only, to bring you from grace to grace. I'm going to lift you out of the mundane. I'm going to work with those calloused hands. I'm going to give you hope and a future again. But you've got to trust me. And there will be times where we work in trust, where we cannot see the outcome. But we've all sung it this morning, Waymaker. Even when I can't see it, you are working. And because you say so, Lord, I will. Because you've said it, I will do it. Do I know how it's going to work out? No, but you do. Do you know where we'll end up? No, but you do. Do you know what the path will look like? Not a clue, but you do. So, what do you ask for me? Simple faith and trust. That when you called me in grace, broke into my world in grace, that you would lead me continually in grace. And what does grace do? It brings you salvation, wholeness, and health, and everything that we've talked about over years in this church. Amen? I love that. So, he's. You know, you look at this story. Actually, I think what happens is there's something in us that whenever we go, Lord, like seriously, <laughs> this is what you're saying? Okay. Can't say it, but because you say so, I will. Do you know what happens? Do you know what happens when you do that? You position yourself for a miracle. Do you get that? You position yourself for a miracle. My good friend, Josh Macaulay, pastor in South Africa, I remember him uh, he actually was speaking to new creation, and uh, I, was thinking about, I was thinking about that sermon, and if you haven't listened to it, go look it up, it's, it's a good one, but he, he talked about having faith in what grace can do, and I thought it was a really, really interesting way to put it. It's like, we need to add faith, our faith, to what grace is calling us to. Does that make sense? I remember Josh speaking about that. I was impacted by it at the time, but it, it came back to me this week, actually, when I was thinking we need to, to take faith, which is trust. Because you say so, I will. Okay, and there's a sense of action in that we're going to do because you say so. And then what happens is you can see it in this story. At that point, that is the difference between people who either stick in religion or people who see the miracle of grace work out. You get that? Church, we're positioning ourselves for a miracle. That's what God's doing in these times. If you think this is just about a different building, you're not even seeing it right. It's got nothing to do with that in one sense. It's about a change in the spiritual climate and atmosphere that this church has called for. It's about us going, we don't really, it's, it's actually really exciting, but you kind of go, not what I thought, but because, if you say so, we will. What's it gonna look like? It's gonna look very different, but because you say so, we will. But we'll love our coffee lounge. <laughs> but because you say so, we will. If I have one more person say to me, does it have a lovely coffee lounge? <laughs> Run into the end You'll not even get a cup of coffee if you start without any a lip, right? You see, what, what, what here, do you, do you know what the, the difference will be? Let's be really careful that we're not people who have received a measure of grace, Right? And then we stop and we get selfish. Because Peter didn't let that happen. Peter positions himself for a miracle. And he's focused at that moment, like, not on his rational thought. His body would have been dog-tired, right? A whole night of working. I bet you the other guys around him were whispering, right? You ever had that? Your man. He's lost the plot. Egypt, right? Right? We get used to stuff, you see. So there'll be people going, brilliant, let's go. And other people going, it's never going to work. It's never going to happen. It's a disaster. Think of the coffee lounge, right? Think of the coffee lounge. But he hears the words of Jesus and he says, because you say so, I will. Can I just say to you, this is... A time for our church, but it's a time for you as well to position yourself for the miracle of grace that he wants to bring to you this year. No eye is seen, no ear heard, honestly. we haven't conceived what God wants to do. I genuinely believe that. I believe that after umpteen years of, of being here, I'm gonna tell the story when we cut the stream, very quickly to go, God is clearly at, at move. Do you get that? Clearly at move. There's lots of things coming together and undoubtedly it's God. I mean, a blind man on the galloping horse could say it. To use that expression, right? And do you know all you have to say is? Because you say so, I will. Because there's a miracle of grace in your life and in this city and, and beyond that God is orchestrating in these days. And we get to, how mad that we get to be part of it, huh? How mad for such a time as this that this is where God is, is bringing us together for. Do you get that? Okay. I've got lots more to say, but I don't think I'll get it. Get it. Is this okay? Is this all right? There's more to this grace than what you think. Let me just tell you what happens. Many people get overwhelmed in life by their own sense of fear, all right? And what will happen is I know that, most of us don't like change, okay? We're not, we're not very good with change, most of us. I could bore you with data in a business sense and say 70% of people in any organization really just don't like it when things change. Because we don't like it. But if I could encourage you, if you say, because you say so, I will, the promise of the miracle is this verse. When they had done so... They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Let me just paraphrase this. Jesus just didn't leave it there. If you finish the story there, you'll miss something incredible. Isn't it it mad? What Jesus does here at the point, right, where they've positioned themselves and they see the physical manifestation of God's favor, he starts to blow their minds with something. He expands their thoughts and their vision about what their life is actually about. Listen to me, I don't care whether you're 18 in this room or online or you're 80, listen to what I'm saying here. Jesus says, from this point, okay, from this very point, you will be called fishers of men. What he's trying to say to them is this. Let me paraphrase. He was thinking, do you think that was good? You think that sort of put down the nets and pull up the fish was, was brilliant? You haven't even seen it. It's just a picture of what you're actually called for and what I came for. What did grace come for? The most important, the most beautiful thing in all of creation is are, are people themselves. God's, we are God's treasure, do you get that? We loved us so much, he gave his only son for us and he, he came and he poured out his life and he left heaven and he went to that death on a cross to, to, bring us, he, uh, to, to bring us back into fullness with him, back into relationship and set us right for eternity. And Jesus says to these guys at the moment, you know what, see what you're worrying about. All this stuff. Whatever. And you know, I can in a moment break your nets with favor. So you can't even haul it in. I'll sink your boat with goodness. Right? You want favor in your life? Let me. You know, the Lord has promised He loves you. He's not going to defavor you at any time because by covenant, He has said, I will bless you all the days of your life. Somebody say amen. I'll be your healer and your provider. And he's never gonna change his mind on that. But he says, but don't miss out because you'll get that anyway. But this is the whole point. The whole point is men, women, and children, brokenness, sin, being overturned for all of eternity. That's the real treasure. You think that the blessing is fun? Let me open your eyes to something completely different, Peter. From this moment, your life will have a purpose and a a call on it which far surpasses just you being blessed every day. You'll live with a deeper sense of, there must have been something that went on in that moment because look what those guys then went through for the rest of their days where they started to recalibrate and rethink and have their hearts reimagine what Jesus and his grace was all about, what he was coming for because that's what this story is about. It's going, you're blessed, you're favored. Everyone take a deep breath and go, my nets, if the Lord says so, will break with whatever I need. But if you stop there, you've missed it. There's more to this grace. You will find more grace in your life, more hope in your life, more things broken in your life, more bondage gone whenever you see the call of God in your life to be a channel of his grace and his love. Do you get that? Because you sit here today because somebody did that for you. Think of the people in your families. Think about your children. Think about your cousins. Think about your, the people you love dearly and what would their lives look like with that encounter of God's favor in their lives. Do you get it? So, he ramps it up. Look, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed because that's what God wants for you, right? But there's a grander vision for you. My last thing is this, two, two points. Number one, don't sweat the small stuff, folks. You know, these next months, Jesus shows you something so simple and so profound. Some of you may hear this and yet walk out of here because when fear grips your heart, you retreat from what God is calling you to. Why? Because we sweat small stuff. Don't do it. Okay? You can take a big, deep breath and go, when God moves and we're physically moving, when God does that, he doesn't take away anything that he's done before. He just builds on it. Do you get that? Sometimes we think when we have to move, and the the familiar things, sometimes we count it as loss. Do you get that? We go, what are, we, what are we losing? But revelation is always built on revelation. You see that? Precept upon precept is what it says in the Bible. So when God does something, he doesn't take away what happened before. He just builds on top of that, builds on top of it, builds on top of it, right? Until you reach that place called Tikfa Hope, okay? At the top of the mountain. Remember that stuff? Okay, so that's what I would just want to finish with. In Ephesians 3.20, it says there's a harvest. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly more than we ask or think, according to all the power that's at work within us. John ten, 10 I've come to give you life, perisos in Greek, exceeding, abundant, supremely preeminent, more excellent or remarkable is that word. I believe that that's what God has for us in these days. I believe God's stepping into your world and saying, this grace that you've felt, that you've been encouraged by, position yourself, exchange church for a miracle because I'm moving. I move in. Put some faith and trust. And in the moments where you go, Lord, I don't know, just say, but but because you say so, I will. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I want to thank you that uh, you have spoken to us. I want to thank you, Lord, that for those of us who feel stuck, we need to grasp this message and say it's grace upon grace. That as we flow in the grace of God, as we give the grace of God, as we become people in a church and a movement who are not just about being blessed. Because, like, like you, you've promised that. You've already promised that. We need to worry about this week and where our provision comes from because you are our provision. You're already making a way in that stuff. But Lord, I thank you for a grander vision for this church, a grander vision of men, women, and children, generations in this city encountering the unmerited favor of Jesus and their lives being transformed and changed forever. Lord, we receive your word this morning. We say thank you for it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.